my name is Meghna. I'll just start off with introductions. And I'm one of the Section 1 co-managers here at Phrases. I also do a lot of the admin, student support, customer support um, sort of thing. So you might see me on like our live chat. So you might see me replying to some emails that you sent us. So I'm a little bit across everywhere. Um, it's really lovely to be here tonight. And yeah, I'm looking forward to kind of sharing my wisdom when it comes to study plans with the GAMSA. Um, I'm Teresha. I am a second year medical student at Notre Dame in WA. I do a lot of things around Fraser's. You'll see my face just about everywhere doing just about anything. So yeah, ask me all the questions and I can either answer them or direct to someone who can. Yeah, easy. Um, cool, cool. So let's jump into today's um, sort of webinar or, you know, just today's, I guess conversation is a better word for it. Um, you know, it's not going to be too, you know, uh, structured or anything like that. We're not going to have like huge slides to kind of take you through it. But we just wanted to start off with talking about why study plans are so important um, within the GAMSAT because just mainly, I think the biggest mistake you can make in and out of the GAMSAT is sitting down to study. And I know that sounds very red like red flag or counterintuitive of me to say but I've often noticed times in my calendar where I'm like okay Saturday nine to one four hours block study right but I feel like if you don't have a goal for a study session or like a study block um, you might as well not study that's what I've kind of realized of sitting down to study a lot but I feel like I'm not achieving anything and then I kind of had to look at why and it was just because I had no like tangible goal with it right it wasn't get my lecture done um, on, you know, um, class one cavities or something. So it wasn't something like that. I, when, when you write just study, you need to have a goal. So I feel like that's probably one of the key things I can show you through tonight. Um, what do you think, Tori? Like, why do you think it's important to have a study plan? I mean, like, basically everything that you said is one of those things where we're not really taught in school how to learn, unfortunately, which you would think is what they teach you in high school. You really need to actually be quite specific about what you're going to do. Like you don't go into class and they just go science, yeah. science vibes today. They, like they have an outline, at least I hope, if that's not the case at your school, maybe <laughs> advocate for that. But they have like an outline of what they're going to cover. It'd be quite specific. This is what we're gonna do. And you can ask questions specifically about that. And I think, you know, even with the idea of the study plan, that comes even like on a deeper level of being aware of what you need to know and what you don't know and actually being able to reflect which is one of the things you're going to hear harped on again and again and again and again and again throughout Fraser and just really throughout your entire educational academic career in your life, you should be thinking about these things is if we're going to study, we need to know what we're going to study. In order to do that, we actually need to know what we know and what we don't know and what we want to know eventually. Yeah. Um, and this is something you can take into like med school with you as well. So if you're in uni right now, um, like we are, or, you know, if you're doing your undergrad, if you're, you know, upskilling for something, whatever it is, I feel like if you don't have a plan for when you sit down and you want to focus on something, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure or you're setting yourself up to not actually be productive right so one of like the best things I've heard in my life it's a quote and it says um activity doesn't equal to achievement and I feel like if you have those like general vague plans you're being active but you're not really achieving anything right so you kind of want to focus on where you're going and how you're getting there and when you're going to get there yeah um 
and I guess there's like the issue of time as well. If someone is very time poor, a study plan is like so crucial. So Tori, did you work a lot during your undergrad? I did too much during my oh. undergrad. Like I was doing all the things <laughs> during my undergrad. So particularly during my time of GAMSAT, that was COVID era. So yeah. that was 2020 September. So I was living in my boyfriend's house because it was a whole thing. So like mentally and emotionally, I was like out of like, just not here. My parents had like, we're living in America and the international borders is closed. We hadn't even realized it was a whole thing. So I was living in my boyfriend's house. I was doing five subjects. I was overloading. because I was trying to get things done on time. I was working at a bakery like 30 hours a week, trying to get all of that done uh, while I had gowns. I literally am looking at my, I was like, let me look at my, my plan because I planned too much. I'm looking at my Excel spreadsheet of like what I was studying for GAMSAT. And I have like breaks, meal one, meal two, study, different classes and stuff like that. Yoga, take a shower, things like that. It's like, I had to really be quite specific with how I was planning to get all those things done. If I did not think about what I wanted to happen there, even things like having a break, I wouldn't remember to do them. And I just kind of vegetate after I had like a super strong steam in the morning or whatever. And then I'd get tired and I would just really have no sort of wherewithal to continue with the rest of the day. But having a plan and a realistic plan is so helpful in actually pushing you to get things done. Yeah. And it prioritizes like a little bit of self-care as well. Um, like you said, like if you didn't put those break times in, it just becomes really easy to have this avalanche of like 15 minutes. Oh, let me just, you know, finish on the hour. Let me finish on the half an hour. And then before you know it, it's like half your day is gone without a break. So um, yeah, like I think that level of planning really pays off when you're studying for this type of an exam. Um, because yeah, I feel like the GAMSAT is very difficult to study for, for multiple reasons, but it just becomes a lot more difficult when you're being very vague or you're kind of, you know, taking steps that aren't um, too productive or don't feel productive as well. Yeah. Um, I was kind of working a fair bit. I did cut it down towards like one month before the exam because I wanted to do the mock exams properly. Um, so I did cut it down. But yeah, like my first three GAMSAT sittings, it was like, open a biology textbook, read a chapter, hope that you get better at section three. So yeah, wrong advice, but also um, not the best uh, way to study, I guess. And kind of moving on, I think we've kind of impressed upon all of you the importance of a study plan, but now it's kind of getting to the practical side of things, right? Like how would you get started with the study plan? Um, and it's not as simple, I guess, of I guess it can be simple, right? If you already know where you're coming from, um, to open up your calendar, to open up a spreadsheet, to open up an app and just kind of block it out. You know, okay, I need to have a goal for my study now. It's, it is it is kind of easy to do that, but you want to level up when it comes to planning, isn't it, right? Yes, it's good to have a plan, but what is your plan going to be informed by? What are your goals going to be informed by? So one thing I did before I did my study plan was sort of like a, a practice test or um, a diagnostic exam. And it was just something I could find on the internet, right? Like um, back then, before I did phrases, I was a phrase student once. Um, then I did a few other courses as well. But I was just like Googling free mock exams for GAMSAT, free PDFs of GAMSAT or something like that. Um, because yeah like they're quite a bit of an investment to buy but I just really wanted to know like um, is there a free practice test out there and 
that was the first thing I did. I just wanted to assess my skills. And those that assessment of skills led to me making like a very targeted goal-oriented study plan as well. So we do have um now, well, you know, freaking three years too late. They did make a practice test, but obviously I don't need it anymore. <laughs> um, but I think I've just put that in there for you guys to download and for you guys to just have a go as well. Yeah. How would you suggest getting started on it, Tori? Like, is there anything specific that you've done at all? When it came to my study, I, so I, I deliberately was like, I'm going to start a year early. So I gave myself a whole year because I was like, look, there's going to come something I'm going to have more things on my plate. So I'm going to be able to pause on GAMS, that stuff like that. And I was really doing it on my own because every other person who'd done med in my life either had done it 30, 40 years ago, or they were had done undergraduate entry meds. It was different. No one had done the GAMSA in my general vicinity. My parents were lawyers. My boyfriend's mom was a doctor, but she had been a doctor, like I said, 30, 40 years ago. And everyone else that I knew who did med was doing undergrad. So I was really coming at this quite blind. So I had to use the instant hope for the best. Um, and I knew that I'd probably stumble a couple of times. So I gave myself a year to try and figure it out on my own. What I found really useful was exactly that, like having a diagnostic test and kind of seeing what worked. And like what I was saying earlier about reflecting, what, even though like I would have on my maybe to, like my general daily to-do list or like my general daily structure, I'd have this block as my study block. I would, from the day before or the week before, identify key areas and put them in that block. Have like two, three, four, five things that I would want to get done by that day of study and make sure that I got those things done. It also sort of allowed me to have a more dynamic and flexible schedule where I knew generally areas I needed to work on, but if I found something while I was studying or while I was going through content that I wasn't very good at, I got to take, I don't know, cartoons, I could go, oh, cool. I have space tomorrow, I'll do cartoons tomorrow. I'm gonna spend an hour doing cartoons. I'm gonna figure out what, what the purpose is, how to answer questions on them, things like that, find tips and tricks. So I could take that, a vague study block that I had given myself previously, just where I had spaces in my general's calendar and general sort of to-do list, and then make a to-do list to fit in there. I think that's called time blocking. There's always all these fancy productivity terms or things, but it's really whatever works for you. Um, I think it's also for content. I do have ADHD, so like that should have, if people have sort of like more of that neurodivergent brain, that's sort of how I made it more dynamic because having a super strict schedule doesn't tend to work for people with brains like that. Um, but having a bit more of a dynamic schedule, which still gives you structure and like a to-do list, but making it work with you and how you're sort of following quote unquote your dopamine in that sense. Whether or not you're neurodivergent, it can also still work for you. Get creative with how you want to make your study plans, but essentially figure out what you're not good at that the diagnostic test can help with that or just what you've been working on in terms of practicing going, I'm really struggling with introductions to section two. I probably should spend a little time on that. I'll do that tomorrow. I'll spend time on introductions, breaking that down for the next hour. Um, really also timing yourself can be quite useful as well. Activities will fill up the time you give them. So if you give them a set of time, you'll actually end up working a little bit quicker trying to fit that time period. Yeah, no, for sure. And um, if you also look at what Tori said just before, she said she kept it a little bit flexible as well. So I think that's a point that I want to expand on is, yeah, you're completely right. Like you can sit there and block your time, right? But if you kind of freak out when one thing unexpectedly happens or, you know, something pops up and something doesn't go according to plan, then you're going to sort of really struggle to stick to something like that. So another way that you can do it as well is to kind of have like just a few hours of flexible time, right? And that is a one or two hours every day after like a block of study where you catch up, you kind of talk about, um, you know, 
talk to friends, hang out with friends. If some event in the morning kind of goes into overtime, you know, you have that hour to kind of catch up for yourself and not feel kind of like rushed. So that's something I came across um, recently. And I was just watching like productivity hacks and stuff because I'm getting really busy and I'm kind of struggling to stay on top of the small things as usual. Um, And one of the things was plan for the unexpected. So have like two hours a day just labeled as flexible time and you can move that across. You can split it up and, you know, it helps so much. So it's really good to have that so that you're not just going back to back in like a stressful environment. Yeah. Yeah, I think that really leads into the next some the question someone's asked in the chat about managing gaps if you're working full time. I think you know it's definitely one of those things where it looks really cool to have a you know, absolutely packed schedule, all every second of every day planned out. But I think you know going from like what is like non-negotiable things when you set up your timetable and being really realistic. In fact, being kind of um, almost I want to say conservative, like. If you are someone who wakes up at like 9 a.m. in the morning, you are not magically going to start waking up at 7 or 6 to start studying. And even Mm -hmm. if you do, you're not going to have the energy to actually study. So put your time as like 9, even 9.30. Give yourself 30 minutes of like break or whatever. And then put in the things that will take up your time. If it's full-time work, put in the hours that you work and give yourself time for things like travel. Make the time bigger, like round up so that you're actually filling up that space. If you have more time to study at the end of it, great. But assume that maybe like travel will take 1.5 times longer, right? Put all those things in. Then you can work around the spaces of things that are non-negotiable. You'll find that when you do that, there are actually spaces in between your day. You go, oh, I actually have a lot of space here or I have a lot of space here Um, on my commute, right? Like I take the train to uni. I realize that I can use that time to either relax. I listen to all the podcasts or I watch stuff. Or I can use to study if I wanted to. I personally don't study on that time because I'm like, this is actually a good time for me to multitask, just relaxing and not having to study. I'll get to uni and study. I get home, I study. So I can use the train hour or 30 minutes, whatever it is, just like keep my eyes closed and just like sleep for a little bit, really. So you can do things like that where you can decide, okay, I can actually multitask or put things here or put things there. But you have to put those big, uh, like working full time, non-negotiables in first. Also figure out if you're a morning person or an evening person. And most people aren't afternoon people, but you might be an afternoon person. I don't put big study blocks in the afternoon. I actually put my study time like morning, evening, and I either take a nap in the afternoon or do something fun for myself or go for a walk. That's what I tend to do in the afternoon. Work around that. Um, if you're an evening person, don't be the person, I have to put this out there as well. Don't be the person that's like, oh, I'm going to stay up to like 2 a.m. studying. That's not going to be useful for you. If you don't have a lot of time, obviously try and have good sleep. Maybe it's a matter of like taking a bit longer to do the gap. So like I said, I knew I'd be busy. I was working ridiculous hours and with, with uni life, all that sort of stuff. So I gave myself a year rather than like six months or three months to work through all the content. Cause like, so I could be a lot slower and therefore kinder to myself. Things like that is that your journey is personal to you, but work on what works for you around your non-negotiables like life. Yeah. What do you, is there any other sort of like things that are non-negotiables? I know you mentioned like, work right like yeah, that's a very obvious one um what would sort of be some non-negotiables for you I am and I will die on this hill I do not play with my sleep I do not play with my sleep 9 30 10 30 I'm in my bed doing my duolingo and I'm going to sleep you will never catch me pulling an all-nighter for anything in my life I do not do that and people go oh my god how do you get all this stuff done like you seem to be on top of it because I plan hmm. to me sleep is a non-negotiable I always have to be quite like strict with myself now but my Saturdays are also non-negotiables when it comes to uni, I do not study on Saturday. Saturday is like my time to relax. 
usually as well, if I'm, you know, being extra good, I won't even work on a Saturday. I just have a, a, like a vegetation day on a Saturday, but it's like one day a week where I'm not allowed to do anything else. I'm just like force myself to relax. There are things like that, whatever you really care about, whether or not it's like, you know, you have like an arts night you go to every single week with your friends, that can be a non-negotiable. It doesn't have to be like, oh, you know, only work, only school, the big things that if it's not water and education, it doesn't matter to me. It can be little things like even a TV show. I have to watch my TV show once a week at this time. This is my thing. But make sure you include those in your whole plan. And then you can work around the things that you actually enjoy and things that you want, as well as getting all those things done. Yeah, I'm really glad I kind of asked you that question because I, I did have an ulterior motive. Um, <laughs> one reason is because I feel like things like Gamsat take over everything, right? I used to think that, oh, if I did anything like that, like um, if I did like uh, my friends plan like a paint and sip night and I would have said yes, but I realized how much I was umming and eyeing in saying yes to something that will take up three hours of my time and make me happy for like weeks, right? So I was like, this is bad. I shouldn't be questioning, you know, things that bring me enjoyment and I shouldn't be compromising those just to sit here and study and be miserable and wish I was somewhere else. So um, it's really important to have those like non-negotiables, right? Like whether it be work, whether it be rest, whether it be doing something fun either by yourself or with others, just don't let Gamsat take over your life because, um, yeah, it kind of will. If you let it take 40 hours a week, it will take 40 hours a week. Yeah. And I think with like, like not having Gamsa Video 24 7 helps you with section one. It definitely helps you with section two. And I've seen too many students come in like to their interviews. They've done the Gamsa, it's been their whole life. And we're chatting and they're like, I don't have a life. I haven't had a life for the past three years. What do I put in my, you know, what's it called? The portfolio. Yeah. I a portfolio. I haven't done anything for three years. I've been studying for either uni or for Gamsa. I've been to talk about who am I as a person. I barely know who I am. And then they get burnt out right before they hit uni like right before they hit med school, not useful. Take those breaks. It can actually be really helpful in like developing you as a good writer for section two, getting new ideas or even getting better understanding of like how to interact with people, implicit, whatever, you know, take that time for section one. It helps you be better at gambling to actually take a break and sleep well. And weirdly enough, nourish yourself, makes you a better learner. How dare you, Tori, how dare you? I know it's crazy. It's controversial. <laughs> um. How long did you prep for Gamsat? I know you said a year. Um, yeah, was a year, that yeah. for two sittings or just one? Just for one sitting. I had planned to do September of 2020. If that didn't work, I would do some, uh, March of 2021 for that year to apply. Um, but yeah, I, I think really, because I was also not, I, I don't know what happened, but during physics in year nine was the last time I did physics, I must have been asleep. All I remember is concave and convex. And I knew nothing past that. And I was really freaking out about the physics and the gaps. So I was like, let me give myself some time to learn physics. Um, that took about three months and then I gave up. Um, I tell my students this story often, but I there was, there was a distinct moment where I gave up, where I drew a picture, I got my little you know thing together. I'd done the picture that you're meant to do, draw your picture for a physics question. And I was so proud of myself. I go to my boyfriend who did like physics up to year 12 and he draws a completely different picture than me. And I just start crying and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do, I can't do physics. And I just gave up on physics. And I was like, I wanted to tackle this a completely different way. And I found that that's when I realized the GAMS is a very different exam than what I thought it was. But it gave me some time to sort of like mess around with my structure and what I was going to do, what was working, what wasn't working, rather than just trying to like strong arm it in what I was doing. Yeah. How long did you prep for? Because I know you did it a couple of times. I did. I did a couple of times. Um, I'm not going to count the first two times because I was led astray by 
a couple of people I know, as well as Reddit, as well as online forums, that reading textbooks is the way to go. Um, for my third kind of sitting, I it was COVID, so I didn't do too well because I just was so exhausted with lockdowns and stuff. But for my last sitting, I think I prepped for about two and two to three months. Um, I was very strict with what I was prepping and what my focuses were and how many hours a week I had. So um, this is something that I found immensely useful. And I always like tell my students to do this as well if they're time for is for my last sitting, I kind of studied just twice a week, but I would do it in the exact exam time of the GAMSAT. So I know like section one is right now a hundred minutes, right? So I would put section one on Monday morning and Wednesday morning for a hundred minutes. And it didn't matter what I did for section one. It could be questions. It could be reflection. It could be watching a video. It could be doing like a tutorial even. It would have to happen like in those 100 minutes. And I'd follow that up with like 65 minutes of section two, right? So I only did that twice a week. Um, section three, I did once a week for like three hours and that was it. So I literally practiced in GAMSAT blocks so that by the time the exam came around, like I didn't have that mental fatigue or that sort of like, you know, just, just that drooping across uh, halfway through because my mind knew it had to focus for like three hours or a hundred minutes or 65 minutes. So yeah. that really helped me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find that it's like, that's really cool. Cause I'm thinking of people that might not have like that hundred minutes to block out, but if mm. you get, I think that's a really good idea. Cause I get a lot of students kind of going, Oh, you know, section two was super hard. I did not realize that, you know, I was going to be so tired because they've been writing second two essays like when they're perky and happy in the morning when they have all this energy and brain space so I think it's a really good idea to get yourself used to the fact that you're going to be doing section two with like maybe 45 percent of your actual brain useful at that point yeah no for sure because like yeah it's you're not going to be doing every section like perfectly alert right especially yeah. section three like the last 20 percent of section three is an absolute write-off I don't know anyone who does <laughs> well with like the last five stems right um but yeah, like I always found that to be very helpful um, going across like my study because I didn't have to do too much. Mm. Um, how did you stay like kind of talking about that? Mm. How Did you struggle st- with staying consistent? So my, like I actually kind of had a different approach to yours and to keeping me consistent where I would calculate how long I needed to like I would have per question. And then I would make myself mini tests, like a 10 minute version of that or a 15 minute test. I knew I'd have smaller blocks. And with that, I could spend my, make my little 15 minute mini test and how many questions would be equivalent to that. Um, And then I can spend 15 minutes like reviewing and revising or reflecting on that. That actually get my attention span a lot like stronger than doing a hundred minutes because my brain just sometimes can't do that. Like I just won't be able to, if it's not my hyper focus, I'm not doing it, right? So I would just sort of, I would make mini tests that would still, even though they're a lot shorter, um, I was having to have the speed that was reckoned like needed for the actual full exam. The thing with me when it comes to re- like full exams, I can run through exams like two or three times. Like I'm able to go through questions like quite fast. It's more like when it comes to actually, like, I, I have my focus. So for me, it was more about making sure I wasn't making silly mistakes. I have mm-hmm. always been someone who makes silly mistakes. Like when I don't read something, I'm like, I know English. I only speak English. Why can I not read this? So I really was working on the things that were, you know, focusing for, like I need to focus on for me. But in terms of keeping myself consistent with like motivation, I found that like having, and this is a big thing even in med, the tiniest of goals, take the tiniest of wins because they help you go, I can do it. 
rather yeah. than saying, like I'm going to learn physics which is what my initial first goal and that was hard and not useful just, just all like, of physics all of it yeah that was literally my goal was like all of physics <laughs> I was like I remember this formula or even if I I kind of remembered the formula I needed to get here I kind of remembered it it was a small win for me and having those small wins is really really useful because it makes you go like I can actually work to, um have a problem find a solution solution works I can do this rather than having the big goals of like it's never going to change oh my god i have to just be amazing at section one not useful try going from i'm going to try and get two comics correct that's it and when you get that right then you feel a lot better about yourself and you'll be motivated to keep going and keep going on you know with the study forever how long it is because the whole med journey is it's long it's very very long um you need to keep that motivation going for sure yeah and it doesn't end right like i know i know it sounds so weird to say that but I feel like once you kind of finish med school, you're an intern and that's like terrifying. And then after that, you kind of have like your specialties you're looking for, your consultants, like whatever it is, like it feels like there's such an escalation between each stage, like, um, and less and less people hold your hand. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but you're kind of on your own for a lot of it. So it's good to kind of have those goals, like Tori said. Um, an interesting question from Andre Where would you recommend starting for someone who has a strong background in biology, but not physics and chem? Um, I think things like, I'm sure there's like, um, oh, you know what, why am I umming and eyeing? Let me just kind of share it with you guys. I have a, like, this used to be on our website a while back, but, um, it's just a section three checklist, right. That I'm just going to put in the chat right now, but just starting with that is really good. And also something to keep in mind is GAMSAT is not a knowledge exam. It's a skill-based exam. So I've seen people who are art students with no um, sort of background in biology and physics do really well in section three. So I do want to put that out there that it's not a necessity for you to kind of have the content. But if you feel like it can help you, then um, just like the ASA booklet says, I think first year biology and first year chemistry, like university chemistry is pretty good. So basic like Bachelor of Science sort of stuff. I'm just I, one of those things where I literally had a question in my exam set that was like dinosaur stride length or something like that for the biology and I literally did a lot of biology and I was like that is just not the, the likelihood that anyone has done that sort of level of reptile like biology is low so it's really a matter of like recognizing that the section three and all of GAMSA but most, let's say section three is problem solving sure there are some key words you need to know for chemistry like you need to know about like the organic sort of molecules how they work but that's only so you can understand the pattern that's put in front of you. It would be the same thing if like you were given a, a riddle in French and then you have to kind of learn French so you can learn what the riddle is telling you. Not learn French, like learn for the sake of learning French, if that makes sense. I learned physics to solve problems. Physics just enough to recognize that, okay, these are algebraic equations. I can just do algebra. That's what I need to actually be able to do here because it's just messing around with an equation. Not so much learning about like how light moves. That isn't actually gonna help me as much as knowing how math works. Same thing with the chemistry. I could learn all about how, you know, hydro, oh my God, like hydro, hydrolysis equations, all that sort of stuff, all those weird things. I could learn that. That's not going to help me as much as recognizing patterns or reading graphs or understanding how to read like a title of a graph and applying knowledge and moving things back and forth. So don't get too bogged down. That's like, I think one of the biggest like trip hazards in the whole process of thinking you have to go learn an entire science. First year chemistry and stuff teach you all the words you need to know to then be able to do the patterns. If that makes any sense it's less about the content and more about just like speaking the language enough to understand what's in front of you to solve the problem 
Yeah, I definitely agree. Just because, and obviously, like Tori and I are saying that with a lot of um, sort of like good intentions, because we don't want you to spend months looking at a textbook or like thinking that's important. So um, definitely check the checklist. Start from there. If you feel like, okay, I genuinely know nothing. I don't even know like what a cell is. Then I guess that kind of stuff can be useful. But Acer is not going to reward you for having a PhD in like biology or something. Yeah, they, they don't care, to be honest. Um, cool. So yeah, it's very, um, it's definitely hard to stay consistent. Don't get me wrong, but it's good to know, like Tori said, like you just want to make achievable kind of goals. And I think the concept of like scalability is very important as well. Everyone expects to be better at GAMSAT by like week two or week three, right? Like um, some of my students today, we just did PBL one, right? So PBL is problem-based learning. Um, and we kind of go through a bunch of questions for section one and all the different text types. And we go through how to strategize your way through them. And from one A to one B, which like happened in a few hours, my students were like, oh my God, I, I genuinely thought I would get better in like one PBL, right? Why am I still getting like 25, 30% today? We, we did like 40, 50 questions. What's going on? I'm like, it's, it's, you know, it's been a few hours. It's not something um, that you improve in. So don't kind of put that pressure on yourself that, you know, you need to improve in like a minute or a day or a week or a month. Sometimes it takes a few weeks. And like the way I see it is if you improve 2% every week, right? At the end of 20, like 10 weeks, you would have improved 20%. And that's astronomical. So sometimes your goal is I got 25% on this quiz last week. I need to get 27% this week. And to be honest, like it really feels good to um, kind of hear that or like to see it as well. It's one of those things that I have learned by force in med school. I don't know if all the other med schools are the same, but typically like very much Notre Dame, 50s are fine. 50s are very much fine. And that's like really hard when you come out of like, I'm HG driven. I have always done really well at school because I've had to, to get into med. And then med comes and hits you with like, you have to just kind of know everything and it could be anything possible. So 50 is competence. Similarly with GAMSA, right? Sure, a 27% might look horrible to you. It, it seems horrible when like, if you go back to like high school, all that sort of stuff, right? But when you actually scale that, if everyone did horribly as well and you were did like the best with the 27% that you got, you were still gonna have a ridiculously high score. It's mm -hmm. not out of percentages. So keep that in mind. It, one of the things that I find helps is like recognizing the gap that was a scam from the very beginning, helped me sort of frame myself like, oh, I'm not dumb. It's just, this is a weird exam I need to do. It's a hurdle. It doesn't show much about me. I have to play a game. I've got to learn the rules of a game and then play said game. That's how it works. It's gonna take some time to learn said rules, but it is what it is. It doesn't say much about me as a person. I'll be a great doctor regardless, but I just need to do this thing. And I think people often forget that as like a concept when it comes to the game set. Um, it's not the be all and end all. And it's a different test than you've done out of everything else you've done before. So keep that in mind. Yeah, definitely. Um, please get degrees, right? That's that's the thing. Yeah, that's all we want. Just that 51% sometimes is really good. Um, cool. So one of the last things we wanted to touch on um, is how to kind of change your study plan as well. So something that a lot of people might not think about is, you know, they make the study plan, it's working great, but you do have to make changes to it. And regardless of whether life gets busier or life gets more leisurely, right? It doesn't matter. 
you do have to change it because your priorities for the GAMSAT change every week as you study. So, you know, like when you're about two months out of the GAMSAT, you're focusing on much different things than when you're one month out. Like I recommend you genuinely change your, uh, or just firstly, I recommend you start um, around one month before the GAMSAT to change your study plan because you want to know what you want out of the next like four weeks before the exam, right? So start with a period of reflection, like sit down and be like, cool, six um, weeks, like the past six weeks, I've been studying X, Y, and Z. I've seen these results. I've not seen these results. I've not achieved these goals that I wanted to achieve. Um, are they going to be important? Are they really a priority? If it's watch YouTube videos on what economy is, probably not as important to be honest with you. So reprioritize, reflect, and then create like a new study plan for the last one month, last three weeks, last two weeks, last one week of the exam. Because the last week, I wouldn't even recommend studying. It's just kind of getting into the mindset, getting into the zone, um, you know, doing a little bit of practice here and there and just kind of like chilling. Two weeks before that, you do want to make sure that you're doing like some mock exams or something like that. Same with three weeks and one month before, you really want to amp up how much mock GAMSAT practice you're doing. You don't have the luxury of taking three hours to write two essays anymore. You don't have the luxury to do like 10 questions in an hour. It's all about time. So last point I want to touch on is just because you make a study plan tonight, it doesn't mean it's going to be relevant a month from now or two months from now, right? So be open to change and be willing to kind of change as well. I think really um, everything that Megan's already said times two. You don't want to be doing like, I got to learn how to read poetry by the week, one week to go. Don't be there, right? Like you kind of, you can, keeping your study plan flexible comes with kind of having big ideas, big goals, little goals, medium goals. Even for, let's say my, I just had my exams recently um, and I've, I've actually just prepped my study plan for the upcoming semester. I have like, okay, I want to spend the like three weeks before the exam, just going, like being able to just do tests. That's what I want to be able to do. Then before that period, it will be like spot treating or whatever. Then before that, it will be like actually relearning things I know I don't know. So I, I'm actually giving myself sort of like, kind of like how we had the bridging courses and then PBLs and then so on and so forth. That is a structure you can follow like big structure wise going, I don't wanna be doing like learning how to read poetry three weeks before the exam. I wanna be done with learning all the things. Maybe by three weeks before the exam, I'm spot treating. Things, small bits I don't understand, looking up things and okay, cool. That's cool, I make sure I know that. Then maybe two weeks before the exam, just practice, 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 practice. Timed exams, you have the time. Um, practice exams, mocks, right? That's kind of how you wanna be working with like the big plan for everything and then make smaller plans for your week as you go, because things happen, life changes. You might have more time, you might have less time. You might get sick. People don't take that into account. Getting sick is a very feasible thing for it to happen to you. And that can actually throw a whole you know, spanner into your works. So make sure you're considering those sort of things too. Getting sick is a real possibility. Don't forget that. Amazing. Um, yeah, like excellently put. So I guess kind of the key goals today um you know let's wrap up early because I think that's pretty much everything from Tori and myself um the key goals from kind of today right is make sure that you do make a study plan and more importantly you have goals for your study plan don't just block out a day and be like study for GAMSAT that doesn't tell you anything have sectional goals or like overall goals or even small ones like do 10 questions in 12 minutes right even something like that can really help you um 
learn what you need to focus on. So even before your study plan, maybe do like a practice test or a diagnostic exam so that you know what your weaknesses are, what your strengths are, and you can kind of orient your study plan for that. In terms of um, being consistent, take into account things are going to happen. Life is going to pop up. Um, life's going to throw things at you. So it's better to have very flexible periods built into your calendar rather than have everything kind of like, you know, down to the minute, down to the wire. And if one thing gets, you know, delayed, everything gets thrown off. Like you don't want to be that person. You don't want to have that kind of a calendar. So, and the last thing is be open to reflecting and changing your study plan as you go along with your study. It's not meant to be a static thing. Like it's bad if it's static, right? If you're focusing on the same thing you've been focusing on since day one, that means you haven't really improved on your initial goals. So make sure it's kind of a live process, right? You're constantly reflecting, you're re-engaging and you're reassessing where you need to be. Um, and we have a question in regards to section two, Tori. I'll let you take that one. Um, so in regards to section two, what are some ideas that are effective at generalizing across multiple topics? So don't fall into the trap of trying to like think about pre-written ideas type of thing. That's not what's happening in section two. Rather than thinking about like generalizable ideas, think about lenses that you can use or questions you can ask yourself to help trigger a particular response, right? I'm not going to say, you know, oh, you know, talk about capitalism. That's not really useful in all contexts. If you're someone that really thinks about, I don't know, if you're, I don't know, whatever lens you want to use, you could say queer theory, feminism, if you love history, if you love um, even, I don't know, pets randomly. I don't know. I like things like linguistics. I love words. So I can actually pull the idea of like language into a lot of conversations that I have in section two. Because I care about these things, I know a lot about them. I just work that way. So I can use that as like generalizable across a lot of different topics to help me then be able to connect with anything put in front of me. But it's not it's in itself an idea. Be careful with that. You want to work on like having a generalizable, I guess, kind of lens that allows you to connect with anything in front of you, but you, there's no generalizable topic that you can kind of just like shoehorn into any section too. Very important distinction to make there. Lenses are very, very useful. So if you have a lens that you'd like, you're very into, maybe you love economics, maybe you love feminism, maybe you love whatever, use that as like your lens that can basically connect with absolutely anything. Hopefully that helps. Um, awesome. So I guess that kind of brings us to the end of it. Um, we'll stick around for a couple of minutes if you guys have any questions, but thank you so much for tuning in today. And I hope you found this helpful. Um, yeah. And I hope your study planning goes very well and very successful. We do have some questions. No, we don't. Okay, all good. Okay. <laughs> I thought three. Like I couldn't see. Like I can't see the chat. It keeps popping out completely. Oh, um, that's oh. weird. If we generalizable topics themes, we'd look at a prepared essay that doesn't address. Yeah, essentially, um, because each of the section, like the comments you get, I'm also like disappearing because it's getting darker in my house and my computer's struggling to tell me from the darkness of my home. But um, essentially, if you have like topics like themes pre-prepared you're going to miss the nuance that comes out of the comments. The comments rarely are like, oh, the, the theme is just like environment, right? Or consumerism. The theme will often be something like consumerism, like where we like eco greenwashing or whatever is actually still a form of consumerism. 
that's quite a specific angle to take on the idea of consumerism or even like eco-friendly business, right? So if you just write essays generally on like capitalism, you're probably gonna miss the nuances present inside of those quotes. Um, my Gamfet session was about uh, utilitarianism, but quite specifically, it was talking about this idea of like giving something up for like the benefit of the community. Like it's like, a, it was a sacrifice. So I spoke about the idea of like, when we talk about giving something up to help other people, historically speaking, it's the same people keep that keep on giving up. It's not as if it's an equal sharing of the sacrifice. If we talk about like American history, it seems to be the slaves that kept on giving up for the sake of America. That doesn't seem particularly fair. So like, if I had come with a pre-prepared response, I would have missed that nuance and just gone like utilitarianism rather than talking about this idea of sacrifice that was present in my four quotes. So that's why you use like a lens, my lens being maybe like critical race theory or whatever, that worked for me because I could apply that lens in a lot of different contexts, but I couldn't just like have a general theme of like utilitarianism, community or whatever, because I would have missed that nuance and lost valuable points. Awesome. Helpful. Yeah, I think it really does. Um, awesome. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you, Tori, as well. That was very oh, fun. Um, kind of figure like to see the different perspectives of how two people kind of treat the same thing. Um, but it was really lovely catching up with you as well. Have fun with Barbenheimer. I can't wait to share notes with you about our experiences. I think I have one more question. Quickly. Okay, sorry. I struggle to get into the depth of my argument. What is something that could help with that? Okay, so I'll be quick on that one. Depth of argument, just like ask yourself why is something happening? Make sure your topic sentence is like an uh, is a relationship. X is happening. I kind of think accusatory in a way, right? I um I burnt my arm because my brother did not forgot to turn like the hot water tap off. I'm blaming my brother, and then in my analysis, I'm going, why did that happen? My brother forgot to turn it off because he's a lazy little shit. He doesn't know how to behave. Blah 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 blah. Right? That's exactly what we're going on with there. That's my analysis point. Depth of the argument is actually really asking the question, why is X happening? X that I've outlined in my topic sentence, that should help you get a lot deeper because you're just sort of going deeper into like, where is this coming from? How did this sort of come to be? So on and so forth. And also my brother is not lazy. He's actually very lovely. Let me put that out there because it's going to go on YouTube. I love my brother. He's a wonderful guy. Cool. Um, awesome. Great. Hi great Saturday night everyone and hopefully we'll see you in another webinar but other than that thank you so much bye guys yeah. see ya